Hello and welcome to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're a startup church we just planted in September 2020. And at the Kalamazoo Church, we believe that Christianity is done best when it is done together. And so if you live in the Kalamazoo area, we would love to connect. Be it coming to a Sunday service, one of our small groups, or even just grabbing coffee with a member to learn more. You can visit kalamazoo.church in order to do that. We pray that you are inspired by what you hear today. Yeah, we're, we're over here in John 14. We're following our series, talking about the promises of God. And this, this next one, this is something that Jesus says that as I read it and as you read it, I bet you will hit us the wrong way. And it, it, it's confusing and, and it seems falsely humble. But, but we'll read here, this is Jesus after he washes his disciples' feet, the Last Supper, and he gives, he's giving his disciples some of these, the final nuggets of gold uh, that he's going to give them while he's on earth. And then he, he's resurrected and gives them more stuff, but, but here we go. It's in John 14, and we'll pick it up in, in verse 5. Uh, the title of my lesson today is Even Greater Things. It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, We don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then this other, these guys were in their 20s. You can't really blame them, or maybe late teens even. (laughs) Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. It's a big ask, isn't it? Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Think about that. Jesus has gotten done, or almost at the end, the last night of him living an entirely perfect life. These disciples have been with him. They've walked with him over the course of three years. There's, there's many miracles recorded here, certainly, but I know that that's in heaven, there's going to be so many that we hear and we're like, man, they didn't, that, that one didn't make it. I thought that one was pretty awesome. And when Jesus is telling all oh, this happened and this happened, we're like, oh my goodness. Or you think about talking to John or Peter, you guys, you guys fill in whoever I'd, I'd love to talk to Thomas and Philip as well and be like, Hey, what were you thinking? You know, and, and, but, but we, we have here this, this teaching and Jesus literally just gives this whole life, three years, and he says amazing things. He does things that I think are even more amazing and speak for themselves. And then he leaves us with this. Anyway, you're going to be able to do even greater things than these. And 
it comes off a few ways. It can come off really pretty falsely humble, I think. You're like, no, you, he's, always, he's, of course, going to say that. Or it can come something that we just kind of brush over. You guys have perhaps had times in, in your Bible study or as you study, you're like, man, just got to brush that one over. And, and it, you just fit it in. And, and But I, I want to look at this today. What is even greater things? What does that mean? And how can we go about doing it? We believe the Bible's true. How can we go about doing that then? And some of the, the things in, in my study that, that became absolutely clear is that this even greater things, uh, th- there's an emphasis on, on things. And so there's nobody greater that, that's walked on this earth than Jesus. That's, a, that's absolutely true. But there's, there's things, there's actions, and, and you, you take a minute to step back and you, you think, okay, well, really at the end of Jesus' life, uh, there was a few hundred, really, that it's, the Bible says that, that followed him. He showed himself to maybe 500, I think the, the Bible teaches in Corinthians. And so there was this small following, and this small following has turned into something where there's certainly so many who identify as being Christian and are not, but there's so many who are actually living life of discipleship and actively trying to do that, certainly more than, than 500. And so when we take a step back, we say, okay, wait, that, that did happen in some ways, didn't it? That, that so many people did end up following really the most uh, amazing things, or so many amazing things and miracles happened post Jesus's resurrection and, and after Jesus died. And so you say, well, okay, I, I get some of it, but the emphasis then would not be on one singular thing that's of great magnitude, but rather so many little things that have built themselves up. And it focuses though on something very specific. And the the, the first point is there's, there's this commitment to the main thing. Really, if, if we are going to be those who do even greater things than Jesus, the only way that we're going to go about it, we're going to look in the, in the Bible of one story, but there's, there's so many, is that we have to tune into the Holy Spirit. And this is something, again, man, I, I'm, one, I'm not smart enough, but two, even if I was smart enough, we wouldn't have enough time. To, to dig into all of the, the facets of the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a really long study. And if we went about going, oh, let's learn about it together, I think we'd learn a lot. I also think we'd fall asleep a lot. Hear me. Uh, it, it's just, it's deep and it's intense and there's nuggets to pull out of it. And it's a great personal Bible study, but we just, we just don't have the time to do that right now. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the lives of people who are filled by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to try to transpose then our lives right now and what we're doing and really have a chance to identify, well, am I living according to what the Holy Spirit is teaching? Am I, am I being led by the Holy Spirit or am I somebody who's doing what I want to do when I want to do it? And when good things happen, then I'll give a little bit of glory to God and a little bit of glory to, uh, to, to His Spirit. Um, certainly, it is the, the most misunderstood uh, facet of the Godhead. And so again, great Bible study for us at a different time, but, but not right now. We're looking just at the lives, or the specific lives of a couple of men who were totally spirit-driven um, over here in Acts 3. And there's two components that I think are so obvious as we look at Acts. And again, I think Acts is a, it's a good thing for us to look at. The reason being is they, these people actually have some of the most relationship or the, the most common circumstances uh, as us in, in the Bible. And what do I mean is that these were people that, that were living life and post Jesus's resurrection. So you look at the Bible and so much of it is pre Jesus's resurrection. And then we have just this little bit that's post Jesus's resurrection. We have a few writings as well. We're going to look at the lives of, of those who are, have the most commonality with us, actually. Um, but there's this overwhelming commitment to the main thing and those who are led by the Holy Spirit. 
we're going to read a, a little bit. It's in Acts 3. And again, now there's, there's many believers. There's this excitement that's building. It says, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the, men, the man gave him, them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. While the man held on, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Pause here. There's, there's this commitment to the main thing, and why do I say that? Well, well this you, you picture that Peter and John, they're, they're walking, and there's certainly stuff that's on their mind. I'm, sh I'm sure they're fired up. I wonder if they're doing a little prayer mumble as they're, they're going about. And then there's this guy who is asking for something. And, and really these guys, they don't have money, but they're, they're looking at them. And you think about being this guy sitting down and all day you, you're begging. And then somebody's actually talking to you, which would have been probably a, li a little bit out of the ordinary to actually even be interacted with in this moment. So he looks up and he's thinking, well, what I'm asking for, I'm going to get a little bit of it. And then Peter goes and, and he gives them something that is so much better, doesn't he? Something You ask, would you rather a few, a few pennies, a few bucks, or would you rather be able to walk? And everybody, I, I would say everybody in this world would answer, well, I'd rather walk, or I'd rather get this or th that point part of me restored, 100%. But that's not going to happen. So all I can do is just beg and ask for a few. I, I'm going to be content in my circumstances. I think you think about what does this, what does this communicate? Well, the reality is those who are moved by the Holy Spirit, they just make opportunities to share their faith. That's something you can look all, you look all throughout the, specifically the book of Acts, and it's absolutely clear that right at the tip of their tongue, on the, the, the disciples' tongues, is the opportunity to give God glory and to talk about how, how awesome He is and what He has done. 
So often in our lives, isn't it? People ask for different, people ask different things of us that are, that are smaller. There's, there's interactions and without having a, some spiritual glasses on output before us that it's pretty easy to just be carried along by the day and what we have to do and what's on our plate instead of taking a step back and realizing, well, God is doing something in this moment right now. Either I see it or I don't, but let me not think that he's not doing anything. And so every, every, if every interaction is valuable, then that would put a pretty big onus on, on you and I then. That, that if we're going to be spirit people, then that means that we're going to have to share our faith a bunch. And, not only, and it's not even going to feel like we have to. It's going to be out of the overflow. And you, you think about some of this, this teaching here. He, Peter, Peter is, I mean, you, you almost get this, this sense of indignance. He's like, what are you guys, what, what, what's cool about? Like, no, Jesus, you guys, mess, why is this surprising to you at all? And I, I want to, when I, one, I want to be like that. I want to be somebody. I was talking to one of my, I was talking to Spencer Schultz last week. I was like, man, I just, I want to find the correct balance of when I'm, especially when I'm on campus and just, you're just inviting people randomly. I want to find the good balance of forcing people to think beyond their circumstances, but not saying something that's so disrespectful and, and demeaning to them and really, uh, patronizing. I, I want to find the balance. And I think so often, my tendency would be, okay, are you interested? No, okay, have a good day. Or then it's, are you interested? No, why not? What do you, what do you have? Oh, I'm busy. I'm like, well, I have a kid. I'm, I'm busier than you are. You know, and so I, I <laughs> right, everyone, I, I, it, it just blows my mind. But I was that guy, so I hear it. I, I want to find this, this balance. And Peter does an awesome job here. And he's giving glory to God and his commitment, though, is on the main thing. We, we understand, or anybody who's totally engaged with God understands that the main thing, the most important thing is a relationship with Jesus and, and eternity. Where are we, where are we going to go? Uh, where, where, where's everybody going to go when we die? And that's morbid and it's kind of dark, but it doesn't have to be. It can be very encouraging actually, right? Peter, he could have gotten easily sidetracked. Even when they asked him, well, how, how are you doing this? He could have said a bunch of things, but no, his focus is, no, this, it's not impressive. It's, it's because Jesus rose from the dead. You know, I, I would say it's pretty easy for well-meaning Christians to get sidetracked on things that are, are less important. And what, recently, one of my, one of my cousins uh, has gotten really, um, Really engaged politically. And I, and I actually don't even say that like it's, it's a bad thing. It's actually, it's pretty, it seems pretty productive. She made a point that she's, she just, she texted me out of the blue. Um, we'll keep in contact here and there, but she just said, Hey, I'm texting all of my friends and making sure they vote. And she didn't say who to vote for or anything. She said, I'm just making sure they vote. And I, I, uh, communi- I was like, man, this is an opportunity here. It's, sometimes it's easier through text because you have time to actually process and think. Um, sometimes you can overthink, right? But, um, but, I was like, man, no, this is, this is the chance. And so I said, well, hey, as a, as a church leader, I don't know that I trust my ability to remain objective in these circumstances because I, I want a congregation of P. I, I understand that we, we're not going to be ever a congregation that just votes one way or just votes the other way because I don't, I don't believe that's a, a biblical congregation. I don't think the Bible teaches that. And so it, but in order for me to remain objective, I don't, I don't feel great about voting. And I, and she was like, oh my gosh, you know, right? This is this long, long, huge text. And I don't know if she knew what she was getting into. And, but I just said, I just don't trust my ability to remain objective. If I, 
if I engage entirely, and I would say I'm pretty engaged, but if I engage entirely and then also uh, discern and then, and then vote. Um, and she was like, no, you know, and she, we kind of went, went on for a little bit, but I, uh, I, I share that to say, I think, I think it's so easy for us to get sidetracked on things that are pretty good. Um, that certainly really this, this, this man, he needs, he, he does, he, he needs, he needs food to eat. There'd be no opportunity for him to eat or no, no opportunity for him to be in any proximity with society. Certainly, I, I betcha this interaction where something, somebody drops something, it, it's, probably one of the, the few times that he even interacts with people. I know I went to Malaysia a few times. It's where my family's originally from. And in America, we don't see it, but you see it really all over the streets. It's certainly probably virtually every third world, world country, I'd imagine. But just, it's sad. There, there's people that are literally lower because they're sitting down or they're laying down and there's some kind of deformity. And there's no way they're looking you in the eye because that'd be viewed as disrespectful. And they're just here, just waiting. There's some... uh Homeless people in America are very bold, <laughs> um, but there, there's there's no way to be bold when you when you only have uh, half of a leg. You know what I'm saying? And so so this guy had no no real opportunity, and and then Peter could have given him money, but he chooses to give him something so much more. You and I, we we have to be really thoughtful about what we're giving to people. And so if if we are going to lead. Politically, I think we're giving them less than what's appropriate. I don't think we're being led by the Spirit. If we, you know, if somebody asks, I, I feel fine about sharing or whatever, and I think you guys should feel fine about sharing if people ask. But if we, if we are going to lead from that posture, we're giving something less, someone less than what, than what's been given to us in terms of salvation. It's cool. Uh, we'll, we'll keep reading here. It's in Acts 4 and, uh, and, Verse 1 now, it says, The priests and the, the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking to the people. So they just get interrupted. They're like, man, this something's happening here. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So it went from 3,000 just a, few, a couple pages ago, and certainly maybe a, a few a few weeks is kind of the image that I, I think we get. A few weeks ago or a couple months ago, 3,000 um, in Acts 2, and then it goes to 5,000 here, and so it's pretty powerful, and it's inspiring. And, and the other thing, though, that, that the takeaway that we should pull is if we are committed to the main thing, if we're walking according to the Spirit, then there are going to be many people who are extremely turned off by our teaching. There, there are going to be many people who are turned off and don't understand and leave with a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth and, and just understand that sour taste can't be because we're being brash and disrespectful and arrogant. Um, and if it is, allow somebody to tell you and change, but our, our, that, that feeling, that sour taste in somebody's mouth, and certainly they, they, they put them in, in jail. There was a, there was a sour taste. Um, that, that sour taste is just the reality of it. These people, Peter's preached, preached a greater lesson than you or I could probably ever preach. Um, but, but understand that, that even with this awesome lesson, somebody's still going to take it and think the wrong thing. Um, so that, that's, that's the, the first thing is I'm looking at people who are led by the Spirit um, and that are, Jesus says, do greater things. The first thing is that there's a commitment to the main thing and what that looks like, honestly, is being very open about our faith and being able to share it. Um, the second thing is a conviction to give up control. 
And so it's in, it's in Acts 4. We're kind of following. We're, we'll skip a little bit here or there, but, but follow with me. Um, it's in Acts 4, in, in verse 8 now, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people. So Peter goes, he, he preaches to one group, and you get, okay, that's, that's okay, because they're kind of peers, and they're really interested, and so, okay. And then he gets put in prison, and now he's preaching to the group that, that has some authority over him right now. You or I would maybe take a step back and try to play this more diplomatically, but here we go. It's, he says, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. That's probably the key right there. Said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Man, that's, that's some preaching. <laughs> There's somebody who has authority over telling you what to do, more or less. And, and it, it says when, when these individuals, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. <laughs> Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they had performed a notable sign, right? This guy for 40 years was, was uh, lame. He couldn't walk. And here we go. But to, sorry, everyone, everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them no, to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. There's a commitment to give up control. And so the, Peter has an opportunity to take control for himself. And he could kind of navigate it in a way that maybe is, is more thoughtful. And maybe we think that's the, the best way to navigate it, the most intentional. And no, he just says, hey, this is, this is absolutely what happened. Um, and it shouldn't surprise anybody, least of all you. You guys were there and you saw it. And you think about being in a position of authority in that time and probably being uh, buttered up or at least there's, there's some thoughtful and you're like, man, what is going on? And so at least at the very bare minimum, I got to understand these guys have a lot of courage. They don't, they're not learned in, in the way of the law or this or that or the other thing, but they have been with Jesus. And that's, that's a scary proposition. And then on top of that, this man actually was healed. And so we can't even say, well, he wasn't healed. He's, he's jumping. The, right? The Bible says he's jumping and he's letting people know we can't even, we can't even hide him, you know? So then they, they say, okay, hey, you just can't teach in his name. That's, that's, that's what we have to come to because so the, this Sanhedrin would have been uh, maybe a mix of Pharisees and Sadducees. So, so uh, some religious leaders of the day, essentially, would have been a mix of them. And 
there was competing values that, that both of these uh, groups of people had. But essentially, they're religious leaders of the day that also had some uh, authority as far as the law and stuff like that. Um, but they just can't, they couldn't decide exactly what to do. And, but Peter here, this is, this is the part that I sit with. He just says, which is right, to listen to you or to listen to God? And then he says, you guys be the judges, but I, we just can't help but speaking about what we've, what we've heard. And there's this overwhelming conviction to give up control that we, I, I bet you Peter's just thinking, I don't really have much control over what, what I say anymore. I'm totally led by the Spirit, right? It, it literally communicates that he's filled with the Holy Spirit when he's, when he's sharing this stuff. And, and man, it'd be a, a tough spot. I don't, I don't know if there's, there's been different, different times where I've, uh, went and tutored, um, different, in different, uh, settings or whatever in, in Milwaukee and, uh, tutored. And the first thing you gotta realize about when you're tutoring is that you're trying to, tutoring out in an after school activities, you gotta understand, I, I have very little authority over these children. I just have to pretend like I do. Um, and you, you learn it, right? Because it's, it's all voluntary. And so you sit down and, and, there's this girl, she's kind of running around doing all this different stuff. I'm like, hey, we got to focus. We got to focus. And she's like, okay. And so she, she does a little bit, and then she starts talking. About, well, you, you have to do some work. You really have to. And, and I already understood there's every promise that I give at this point is totally empty. There's no, I can't tell, oh, you're, I'm going to tell your mom. I'm not going to see your mom. I'm leaving in, in a half an hour, and she's leaving in 45 minutes. I'm not going to see anybody. I can't. There's, there's nothing. I'm just, it's all empty promises and empty threats at this point. You know what I'm saying? And... And I, I imagine these, these individuals were feeling pretty similarly, right? When they're sharing, they're like, man, we know these guys are nuts. Like even, I bet you the, the, the guy that had the idea, hey, we got to tell them not to, not to speak again. They're like, yeah, that's going to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, but so they say it and Peter says, hey, we, we're, we're, we're not going to stop speaking. We can't. And they, they give, it says the further threats, they just let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them. They're like, we can't deny this. And, and. For you and I, though, there, there has to be this conviction to give up control over our lives and over the consequences. You can read a chapter later. We're not going to go there now, but there's, there's a flogging that occurs, and there's, there's a physical punishment that occurs from somebody following the Holy Spirit. This is, this is just a reality that I, I sit with. Is the lives of those who give up control are marked by prayer. You can, you can look, and again, you look all over the, the Bible, certainly, but you look at some of the, the people who you, who you admire spiritually the most, and there are those that don't have much control over their lives, or they would tell you they don't have much control over their lives, but they're deep in prayer. So there, there's, there's this marathon or this ultra marathon. So these, these guys are, they're mind blowing. Um, it's called the backyard ultra marathon. And so sit with me for a minute as I try to explain it. Basically, it's 4.1 miles. So not that long, 4.1 miles every hour. So you have to go 4.1 miles every single hour, which is, it's not, it's not super fast. You can, you can actually walk that fast. Okay. 4.1 miles every hour. And there's no finish line. It's just at the start of the next hour, you have to be ready to do the same thing over and over again. And so you start and you go 4.1 miles and it's this, it's this big loop. It starts the backyard ultramarathon. I think, yeah, backyard ultra marathon, but it started in this guy's backyard and, and it's, it's gaining popularity from these crazy people, uh, 4.1 and then you come around. And so basically the, the, just to give you guys some context, the record right now is 75 hours and 312 miles. 
guys, 75 hours is three full days of running, right? Absolutely nuts. I, I don't know, Alec would probably win as far as if we were gonna do a running thing, um, but I, I guess Kelsey would maybe come in second. I, but like, I, it, I, I'm not going, I, gosh, if you give me, I don't know, four hours, I'm like, no, I'm tired, I'm hungry, there's, there's not a chance, and I've just traveled 12 miles, and I, I've earned so many calories, let's go to a buffet, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, that would be, that'd be my view. Like, I've, I've, earned, I've earned a lot right now. But the strategy, you read, it's, it's incredibly interesting. The strategy for so many is to run and then come back with about 14 minutes to spare. And in that 14 minutes, you have people that are helping you every, every hour that have food that's ready for you to eat. They have different kind of massage techniques that are ready to keep your, your muscles loose and actually your joints, um, your joints kind of nimble still in this time you go, you literally go from running to nothing for about 15 minutes. Um, they also have people that are monitoring your sleep. So somehow there's a training where these individuals are able to sleep like for 10 minutes and they're able to go to sleep right away. And we would say, well, it's, it, we, uh, that's, that's, that's maybe the most uh, intriguing part of what we're talking about, right? <laughs> the older you get, the more difficult it is, right? And so you're like, man, I just, it takes me, it takes me an hour to go to sleep and these guys have to run four miles an hour and sleep in the, in 30 seconds they're, they're knocked out. And what, what I mean and why, why this is extremely relevant is that these individuals, their only focus is to, to run this trail. That's, that's all they're focused on. They're not focused actually on how much I should sleep. They're not focused on how much I should eat. They're not focused on what I should drink. Their entire focus is let me finish this four miles, and I know when I get to this spot, I'm going to be taken care of. Then, then there's going to be a, a little bit additional guidance, additional thought, because I have people that are, are, are with me. And then I'm going to get up and do it all over again. Guys, 75 hours. <laughs> this, this, but this check-in is vital for success. There's nobody that's, that's competed that's been successful. I don't know if there's anybody, but there's nobody that's competed and been successful who doesn't have multiple people that are cooking food for them, just ready for the minute they come, boom, it's like this, this pit stop. And I, I would say that the lives of those who are totally controlled by God, um, prayer probably looks pretty similar. And, and I'm not saying 45 minutes you do work and 15 you pray. It'd be, it'd be pretty miraculous if, if, if that were the case, but uh, you might have to not have a job then, I guess. Uh, but, but, but what I mean is there's, there's always this, tuned in that my job is to just do what I'm told. I already know the game plan. We have the game plan written down. My job is to just run. And then, and then maybe when I come back, they're going to give me this time that actually I finished a little bit too quickly in, in 44 minutes instead of 46 minutes. And so they'll say, hey, you have to slow down a little bit. You have to pace yourself a little bit better. And here's this food for this stretch. And then, and then you, but really you can't say, well, I want caffeine. Say, no, you don't get caffeine until... 7 a.m. or whatever, there, there's these plans that are set up where you're, but your whole focus, if you're this runner, is to run and come back. And for, for you and I, think about the freeing feeling of just knowing all I have to do is, is listen to God and then he's going to keep talking to me. It's freeing, isn't it? It is, and it, but it's so difficult, right? You, any of these runners, it, it's mind-blowing, and yet it is, it is quite simple. And so for you and I, the, the life marked by prayer and total control given up to God is uh, so simple, but it is very difficult. Right? It's not complex, but it's very hard.
so again, as, as you look at your life and you, you think about this promise that you're going to do even greater things, the question that we have to ask is if somebody were to look at, at your life, and again, no individual is going to do greater things than Jesus. I think it's, it is by the collective. But if, if somebody were to look at your life and you were to explain this stuff, the idea of giving up control and full commitment, would, would they say, oh, you, you match that? Or would they say, well, that's interesting that you believe that because that's not what I see when I, when I look at your life. You know, it's, it's, it is, it is truly difficult things. And I, I, I believe it in so many ways. It's so simple, but it is so difficult. And if, if we, uh, make a point to, oh, God, we're going to try to follow the, what the world teaches, then what ends up happening is it is easy in some ways and yet so complex. And it's easy because there's, we're just operating according to the 80 years we're living on this earth. Um, and it, but it's complex in that we have no idea what we should do. I don't know if you guys have spent time thinking about this stuff without God. I'm like, I've, I've no, uh, the idea for me of what I'm going to do when I grow up. I remember in college before I was fully committed to, to God was like, this is the most difficult proposition ever. What am I going to do? And then, but the problem is when you're 18, you got to go to college. you many go to college or you're taught you have to go to college. And so, but if I need to choose a major when I'm 18, so by 18, I need to have some kind of idea of what path I'm going to take. Good luck. It's, it's easy, but it's easy though, right? It's just one decision, but it's so complex because you can do anything. And, and I remember the freeing feeling of fully committing to, to God and realizing, well, it doesn't, in so many ways, it actually does not matter my occupation because my, my responsibility from now until I die is to live like Jesus. And we already know how Jesus lived. We have it written down. And then to help other people do that. And, and it's going to be successful because Jesus already did it and guarantees success. It's way more, it's way more difficult, I would say, than just following, but it's, it's way less complex. So let's, let's, we're going to close here in, in Galatians 5 as we look at some of the, the fruits of the Spirit. And then we're going to uh, take communion. And you should have a communion cup um, if you don't. Um, after we, we finish this and after the, the prayer, then we'll, um, we, we can pass out to you. But this, this really communicates so, so well of, of the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and then, and then I'll ask Brian, uh, from Milwaukee to come up and pray for the, for the communion. It's in Galatians 5. And, and it, it says in, in verse, 22. So it just paints really all, all the stuff based on the flesh and all this, this really negative, uh, dark stuff. And then it says the fruit of the spirit. And as we read this, just think about the ways in which Jesus embodied this in your life, even this week, how he embodied all of these fruits. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. 
Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Kalamazoo Church of Christ podcast. If you're in the Kalamazoo area, we'd love to get connected. Please go to kalamazoo.church and fill in your information to come to a Sunday service or any other event that we have going on. In any case, you'll be hearing from us next week. Save my souls.